Heavy. Hey, for all of you who are able to get away during spring break, I say welcome back. Some of you have some, um, some darker tans uh, from the week that you were away on, so congratulations to you being able to get away to some nice warm weather, maybe some beaches. Uh, for those of you who hung out in the rain, uh, in the, the colder weather, I hope that you were still able to refresh a little bit, even if you didn't have kids or, you know, the, the school reason to get away and just to to do something different this week, I hope that it was still a refreshing week for you. Um, I pray that for you every single week, that it's not a, you come back on Sunday and you're just dragging in like, oh my goodness, that was such a long week. Even though we know, realistically, we're going to have those types of weeks where we just, man, it is one thing after another. But welcome back. Uh, we were able to get away for a little bit and it was, it was fantastic to be able to do so. I uh, got to go to what I consider now my home away from home in Florida. Um, and there are times where I tell people like, if I'm gone for too much longer, I might just never leave Florida. But we pulled back into Indiana and it was 40 degrees cooler than when we had left uh, Orlando. And you know, we thought, hey, we are home. After 38 hours in the car over the course of a five day period, we actually 38 hours, eight minutes, and eight seconds, according to the clock on the car that timed every second that it was turned on for our trip, we were back home. So it's good to be back. It's good to be around all of you this morning. We have been in a series for the past couple of weeks uh, that we've entitled Superheroes Can't Save You, in which we've been looking at some different superheroes and how they compare to some ideas that people have about Jesus and how those ideas, if Jesus actually fit into those molds, wouldn't actually, they wouldn't cut it. They wouldn't save us. Hence the name, superheroes can't save you. You know, we, we titled these things, and we didn't come up with it, but, but we've been using the word heresy, which is a bad idea about Jesus. And so the, the first week, we spent some time, and we looked at the idea that people have about Jesus that kind of compares to Superman. You know, that Jesus was fully God, but he was not human. Uh, the actual name for this idea is called docetism, and we looked at why that doesn't work, that we needed Jesus to be human in order to answer for a human problem of sin that has, has been created in our world. The next week, we compared an idea about Jesus called liberalism to Batman, and we looked at Batman's story, and we looked at this idea that, that people can have that Jesus was an incredible human being, which he was but that he wasn't God. And so we looked at that and how that falls short of who Jesus really was and, how, and who Jesus is and how that doesn't answer the problem of sin that we have and why we needed Jesus to not only be human, but to also be God. And not just that we needed it, but the fact that he was fully human and fully God. And we know it's difficult to comprehend, and we've been talking about, you know, how there are things about God that are difficult to comprehend, but that doesn't mean that we just give up, and that doesn't mean that we just don't care, but it means that we have to spend some extra time trying to get to know him. That just like any other relationship that we have, we don't get to know everything about him in the first 30 seconds or even the first 30 years. There are some of you who have been married for 30 plus years, and you're still figuring out things about your spouse. So we know that it doesn't go that quickly in a relationship. We don't learn everything that quickly in a relationship. And then last week, we jumped into this idea of the Trinity, 
And, you know, yet another one of those things that just blows people's minds as to how can God be three but one at the same time. And we looked at different ideas that people use and different analogies that people use, like the egg and water and how those fall short of really describing this idea of the Trinity of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the evidence in Scripture that points to the, the idea that that he is indeed three in one. You know, that he wasn't, we used, uh, used Ant-Man as our example to talk about this idea of modalism, that Jesus was simply a costume that God put on for a time, and sometimes he wears the costume of the Father, and sometimes he wears the costume of the Holy Spirit, you know, to where he's, he's like Ant-Man, where he's sometimes Hank Pym, just a really smart guy, but he can also put on a costume and he can become Ant-Man, or he can put on a costume and he can become Giant-Man, or he can put on a costume and he can become the Wasp. And this is an idea called modalism that, that many people believe that, that God puts on different costumes for different times and different things that he needs to do. But as we look at scripture and we look at evidence, we begin to see that this falls apart. And we looked at examples like the baptism of Jesus when he was, as Jesus, the son, being baptized in the water physically by John the Baptist. But yet there was a voice from heaven, the father, saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then there was the dove descending, the spirit descending as a dove. So we had the father and we had the Son, and we had the Holy Spirit all present at the same time, and that was just one of the examples that we looked at. Just one of the examples that Scripture gives us to point us to the belief that God is indeed three in one. Because he also is not just three gods. And we looked at the idea that as the New Testament, what we call the New Testament was being written if it was being written with this idea that there were three gods, then the Jewish people would have been up in arms over this because they believe in, then and believe now in a monotheistic God, meaning there is one God. So if all of a sudden people like Paul and Peter started teaching that there are three different gods, there would have been an outcry amongst the Jewish people. But there wasn't an outcry amongst the Jewish people, which means that Paul and Peter were not teaching that there are three gods walking around somewhere, but that he is one and three all the same time. And it blows our minds and we have troubles understanding it and we fight with it and we struggle with it. And so we try and come up with ideas to explain it and the ideas fall short and they're going to fall short because we have an infinite God and finite minds that cannot fully grasp it. But that doesn't mean that we just give up. And that doesn't mean that we just don't care. And so I told you last week, as we finished, that this week I gave you kind of that, you know, if, if you watch the Marvel movies as they come out, the superhero movies, they love to like show half the credits and then they give you just a little snippet of a, a movie that's coming. And so I gave you that little snippet of here's where we're going this week. We're going to talk about why this matters, how this works in our lives. Todd Miles, in the book that we are reading in our, in our study groups and if you're not in a study group, I hope that you're still reading the book. It's worth a read. It is not the Bible. And I want you to understand that it is not the Bible. But I believe that it has really good truth and really good teaching in it. And I would encourage you to take some time and read it. But Todd Miles writes in there this about the Trinity. He says, how we understand the Trinity has huge implications for how we understand the gospel 
and thus how we live. That our understanding of the Trinity, while it's tempting just to say, I don't get it, I'm not even going to try, that there is actually reason to try and understand and to spend some time understanding what this Trinity is all about. Because it affects how you live. It affects how you interpret the good news. For example, and I'm just going to walk us through one area that it impacts us this morning. There are many more, but we're going to spend some time on one. And that one area that it affects us is on how we pray. Our understanding of the Trinity impacts how we communicate with God. You know, is God, do we just communicate with him as like he's our good old buddy? Do we communicate with him as if he's this, this being that's just looking for reasons to condemn us? Do we communicate with him with a wish list? Do we communicate with him like he's Santa Claus? You know, how do we communicate with God? And how we understand the Trinity affects how we understand the gospel, which affects how we communicate with God. And in order to, to figure out how we're supposed to communicate with God, we're going to go to the best source that we can go to, and that's to Jesus himself. And as Jesus' followers were with him, and they asked him, hey, how should we pray? Now, first, that tells us something right there. As we consider how we're praying and who we're praying to, they immediately understood that prayer is not just talking to Jesus, which is something that sometimes we understand prayer to be. It's just a conversation with Jesus. If they understood it as it's just talking to Jesus, then they wouldn't have asked Jesus how he talks to himself. So stop and just, just chew on that for a second, that there's something more going on with prayer than just a conversation with Jesus. Now, that's not to say it's not a conversation, but there's something more going on here. And so when they asked Jesus, how should we pray? Teach us to pray like you pray. In other words, don't teach us to talk to ourselves. Don't teach us to talk to you. We've been talking to you for the past several years. How do we pray like you pray? And his response, one that many of us in this room know, he says, you pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, who art in heaven, depending on which translation you're reading, hallowed or holy be your name. As we begin to pray, and as we understand the gospel, as we understand the Trinity, Jesus tells us we direct our prayers to the Father. We direct our prayers to the Father who is just, to the Father who is merciful. We direct our prayers to the Father who in John 3.16 we read, sent his only Son so that we could have life. We direct our prayers to him. You know, Many times as we're children, we kind of, we learn to, to pray kind of like we're writing a letter, if we're being honest. We learn to pray by saying, dear Jesus, thank you for this day, please do this, in your name, amen. Although we don't typically say in your name, we say in Jesus' name, even though we just titled our letter to him in the first place. So that, that is, I want to be very clear. It's not to knock how we pray, and it's not to knock how we teach prayer. That, you know, there's the question posed of, if God is so big, can't he figure out what we mean? And I would say, and Todd Miles would agree, yes, he is big enough to understand. But if we are given instructions by Jesus, I feel like we should not only just consider them, 
but we should follow them. And Jesus directed us to pray to the Father. To pray to the one who is so just that he couldn't just sit there and say, you know, all of those things that you've done, just don't worry about them. It's no big deal. We like to think that, that couldn't God just do that? Couldn't the Father just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wipe your slate clean. It isn't important. It doesn't matter. And I think back to conversations that I had in Tulsa with a man by the name of Orville. Uh, he was one of those guys in the church that everybody respected. And when he spoke, you listened. And it wasn't because he was going to smack you over the head if you didn't listen. It was because he had earned the respect of people. And he hammered me time and time again about one conversation, one answer that I would give in particular. See, what, he was of the belief that when someone says thank you for something that you've done, your response should never be, no problem. But your response should be, you're welcome. Not because of politeness, but because he believed that as soon as you answered thank you with no problem, what you were communicating to that person was, you're not really important enough for me to actually do anything that really matters, so it wasn't a problem for me to do that. No, when somebody says thank you, this was Orville's belief, and he and I went back and forth, and eventually I began to see things more and more in the, the understanding of what he was saying with this. When someone is saying thank you, they are understanding that in some way or another, you inconvenienced yourself on their behalf. Now, maybe it wasn't really that big of a deal, and it wasn't a huge inconvenience, but it was still in some way or another an inconvenience in your life to do what it is that they are thanking you for. And so for you to look at them and say, like, you know what, really, I wouldn't have done it because you're not that important if it was a problem. But this one was no problem, and so that's why I did it. God, the Father, is looking at us and saying, you matter too much for me just to say, no problem, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. You are too important for me just to allow a relationship to still have any kind of fracture in it. Because if I'm being honest, and perhaps you feel the same way about it, when I have somebody who, kinda, who hurts me, who does something that hurts, and I just decide I'm just gonna tell them, hey, it's no problem, don't worry about it. Many times, what I'm walking around with is still hurt. And what I'm walking around with is still a fraud relationship between the two of us. Now, you might be sitting there going, no, when I say no problem, I mean like literally there's nothing wrong. But I would venture to say that there are at least those moments where you tell somebody everything's okay when it's really not. And God is telling us, I'm not gonna do that. Our relationship is fractured and I want it whole because you matter that much to me. And so there is a problem here and we need to do something about it. So Jesus says that is who you're directing your prayer to, is to the Father. But it also says, and we looked at it in John three sixteen, that he sent his son. And Jesus says that as you pray, you pray in my name. And here's the name that we're praying with. In Hebrews chapter 14, if you, or 
sorry, chapter 4. If you want to turn there, if you want to write it down for later, it'll be on the screen, however you want to do this. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 14, we read these words. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And we looked at that a few weeks ago as to what that means for his humanity. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because of what the Son did, We are able to come to the Father and to have a conversation, to direct our prayers to the Father because the relationship has been restored because of what Jesus did. Because of the sacrifice that he made on your behalf and on my behalf. Even though he didn't do anything wrong, he sacrificed for you and he sacrificed for me. And then he tells us in John chapter 16, Verse 23, again, if you want to write it down or if you want to find it. Jesus says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. Because I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly. And he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters and figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. And then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Because you love me and you believe I came from God, you can use my name and speak to the Father directly. I had a student when I first moved to, to Casper, who's actually a youth pastor now, which is really kind of cool, but, but I had a student when I first got there that this kid name-dropped all the time. Like, it would you be in a conversation with him and be like, yeah, when I was talking to Jim Lyon, have you ever heard of him? He's the director of the Church of God. Yeah, as I was talking to Jim, hey, as I was talking to Andy Stevenson, he's the director of the Youth Ministries in the Church of God. Hey, as I was talking to, and he would just like constantly name drop. And I, I finally, I just had to give him a hard time. I was like, dude, do you realize how many names you drop in conversation? Like, I don't care who you know. I want to know you. Like, you don't have to tell me that you know these people in order for me to care what it is that you have to say. And so I gave him a really hard time about it, but what Jesus is telling us here, hey, name drop. Use my name. When you're talking to the Father, let him know that you know me. And he's gonna listen to you because you know me. Now, I wanna be very clear because it can be very easy to interpret this scripture into the, well, this, as long as I say in Jesus' name at the end of my prayer, I can ask for the Camaro or the Mustang, depending on if you're a Chevy or a Ford guy or a girl. You know, I can ask for all of these, you know, I can ask for the vacation that I really want. I can ask for all of these material dreams and he's just gonna give them to me because at the end I said, in Jesus' name, amen. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we are able to have the conversation and as we get to know Jesus and as we believe more and more in him and as we get to know the Father, we're going to start finding that our desires line up more and more and more. And when we ask in his name 
And when we come to the Father, we find that we're all pursuing the same thing. It says you pray directly to the Father, you name drop my name while you're doing it, and you pray through the Holy Spirit. I've had, and I know that you've had, some really down times in life. And I've had some really exciting times in life. I've had those moments where, because of how hard things were, I mean, there were points in the past year where things were so hard and things seemed so hopeless that it was sitting there going, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. And then there are times where things are so good that you're like, you're, you're giddy and you're, you're like that little kid who, who's trying to tell your parents what happened and, and, you're, and your parents are like, I have no idea what you are saying, right? Can slow down, slow down. Tell me what it is that you're saying. We're told that we have someone who will interpret on our behalf, who will intercede on our behalf when we don't know what to say and when we don't know how to say it. Romans chapter eight, Paul writes to the church in Rome in verse 26, he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Jesus told us that he was going to leave behind a comforter. He was going to leave behind a guide. He was going to leave behind somebody who could intercede for us when we just can't figure out what to say. You know, maybe you've been around like that little kid that's trying to tell you something and you're sitting there and you are doing your absolute best. You're leaning over, you're giving them all your all the attention that you have and all you're hearing is and you're like I don't milk uh, snacks I don't you want a new car I don't know what it is that you're asking for right now and then mom or dad come in and the, the kid says the exact same thing and they look at him and like oh yeah and they give him exactly what he wants and you're sitting there going how in the world did you get that out of what they were just saying right there because they understand it. Been around the little boy or the little girl. They've figured out what these murmurings and, and groanings mean. You know, I remember them telling us when we were doing some of the, the pre-birth classes and everything that there will come a point where you'll actually be able to, to determine the difference between a happy cry, a sad cry, a mad cry, a hungry cry. I never figured it out. But Sarah figured out what those different cries meant a whole lot better than I did. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when all we can do is just cry. Because we can't figure out what in the world we're supposed to say. Remember, I, I believe it was Lisa Turkhurst tells a story of when a, a woman came up to her at a conference with just a heavy heart. And I don't remember exactly what the circumstance was. But you know, you, you come up to someone like Lisa Turkhurst, this, this well-known speaker, and you kind of expect that when you bring this, this need to her and this thing that's heavy on your heart to her that you're gonna get this just real deep spiritual prayer and you know kind of like the ones we would hear when we were in chapel in college and we'd be sitting there going like man I, I can't pray like that how in the world do they come up with all those nice beautiful flowery words 
And this woman came up to Lisa and she says, I, I had nothing. Like there was no way, and it wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because I didn't empathize. It wasn't because my heart wasn't breaking. It's because I just did not have the words to say it. And so she prayed for this woman with no words other than Jesus. 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 I believe, based on, I wasn't there, but I believe that the Holy Spirit was interpreting for her the desires of her heart and the groanings of her heart that she wasn't able to express. And I believe that he will do the exact same thing for you because we're told that he will. That when your heart is the heaviest or when your heart is the lightest, that he will interpret for you when you just can't get words out. And while I understand that I've just talked about how Jesus told us that we're supposed to pray directly to the Father in his name and through the Holy Spirit, what I don't believe is that it's a formula that we have to make sure that every time we come before him, we say, our Father, in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what I'm bringing to you. But I believe that sometimes we come to him and all we can get out is Jesus. Or all we can get out is Father. And because of our relationship with the Son, that provided a relationship for us, a, a renewed and healed relationship with the Father, he will hear the desires of our heart. It's easy with the Trinity to just say, I don't get it, and I give up, and I'm not even gonna try. But what we do when we just say it's too hard is we risk missing everything that he did for us in the first place. We risk forgetting what it is that he did for us when we just say we're not even gonna try because we risk forgetting that there is a father who is just, a father who we have a fractured relationship with but who sent a son who is willing to submit to this plan to come and on our behalf restore that relationship and a spirit who is here to help us and to guide us and to comfort us and to interpret for us when all we can get out is a groan. If we lose that, then we risk losing the entire gospel in the first place. I could stand up here before you this morning and I could list for you sins that I have committed, things that I have done in my life that I am incredibly ashamed of. 
And some of them you would hear and you would say, that's not really that big of a deal. And others of them you would sit there and be like, why did we hire this guy? But the beauty of it is, is that through God the Father and God the Son and through God the Holy Spirit, three in one, whereas Ant-Man could not save me from myself, God could and God did. And so I don't need to stand up here in front of you and give you my list of sins because they've been separated from me. And I don't need to live in guilt and shame from them. And you don't either. You don't need to sit there and go, man, if the person sitting next to me only knew what it is that I've done and who it is that I am, would they even want to sit next to me in the first place or would they be so afraid that my stain would rub off on them that they would run screaming away from me? The whole point of the gospel is so that you don't have to do that and so that you don't need to feel that way, so that you don't need to live that way. And we get the beautiful responsibility of sharing that with every individual that we come into contact with. That they don't have to sit there and live under the stain of what they've done. But where a superhero couldn't save them, God could and God did. Father, we praise your name this morning, for your name is holy. Father, we thank you for being just, and we thank you for not just giving up on us when we fractured a relationship, but instead for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for being willing to come in on our behalf, take on our sin and our stain and our guilt knowing that we could never overcome it on our own. Spirit, we thank you for the comfort. We thank you for the guidance. We thank you for not giving up on us when we can't explain what it is that you do and, and when we sometimes treat you like, well, I don't know what, how to explain how we treat you. God, we thank you for not giving up on us and not ceasing to want to, to have a deeper relationship with us, even in those moments where we communicate to you that we aren't that concerned about our relationship with you. And even when we communicate that we aren't that concerned with really knowing who you are, we thank you for still pursuing that relationship with us. Father, we pray this in the name of your Son, and through your spirit. Amen.